guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, Jeff Trunapal, the Iceman. And as always, I'll bring you sports from a West Side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the Cincinnati Reds. are about to get things started in the second half. I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Now, do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm up to 1,242 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now, if you're watching it on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, uh, do me a favor. Go to the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell for the notifications. And every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, we're doing you uh, super chats in the YouTube channel. So if you want to support what I'm doing, Give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. Now, before we get into today's guest, uh, we had some Bearcat news that just broke right before I went on the air, and it was announced on Mo Egger's show that the Bearcats, Wes Miller, the coach, has a a new commit commitment from Hamilton's seven foot center. And I'm gonna mess his na- name up. Say I'm just gonna go Sage because I don't think I can say his last name. He just committed to the Bearcats for the 2020 2022 class. He's a th- three-star recruit, so I think I'm excited about the Bearcats. Again, this is he's building the class up for next season. That is good. I'm excited. We'll see what happens. I think the Bearcats. I think the basketball team is going to be better than we think, and the Bearcat, the football team is going to be legit. It's going to be a lot of fun up there in Clifton, and we get to go to the games this year. How fun is that going to be? Now, let's get to today's guest. He has had a whirlwind trip. He just got back from the All-Star game. He's from Cincinnati.com and the Cincinnati Inquirer. He's none other than Bobby Nightingale. Bobby, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem at all. So, how much fun... Did you just have this past weekend co- covering Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker in their first all-star games ever? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you kind of get to see them. It was both their first times at the all-star game. So it's a new experience for both of them. You could tell both, uh, they, they appreciate it in their different ways. Um, you could tell like Nick Castellanos really wanted to soak it in. He, he really enjoyed the home run derby with his son, his seven-year-old son, Liam. Uh, and I think Jesse Winker was just one of those, like he's chatty all the time. Um, got to, got to bring down his young daughter to, uh, the field and hang out with her. Um, so they both got to appreciate it in different ways. And I, I thought it was a fun week. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it's a nice change of pace cause you're only covering two guys versus the whole team. Right, right. Exactly. You just kind of concentrate on them. And, and, uh, I, I, I loved, I just popped those pictures up, but I, I loved on the red carpet that, you know, everybody tries to dress up to the nines and like, they're going to a movie preview and stuff like that. Not the reds guys. He's he's wearing Cassiano's wearing his uh, shirt from his son, his birthday present uh, that that his son made him uh, for his uh, 29th birthday, and then Jesse Winker, class act, representing Joe Morgan. He got he got the permission from the Morgan family to wear the jersey, and that's just cool, man. They, I, they were repping, repping Cincinnati. I mean, I, not, that to, to me makes me like them even more. You know, they're all in on Cincinnati. They they love their teammates. They love this city. They love what's going on. Yeah, exactly. As you put it. I mean, I think I, I talked to Jesse Winker about it and he was just saying that right before he left for Milwaukee on that road trip and then he was going to go straight to Denver afterwards, he was looking at his closet, Joe Morgan jersey, jersey, and he's like, you know what, that'd be pretty cool if I wore that, found a way to honor him. And so 
Um, like you said, he contacted the, the Morgan family, got permission to wear it. And I thought it was a great tribute for a guy that, um, you know, it, obviously it's, you know, you want to celebrate yourself. He's had an amazing season to this point. Uh, but for him to be like, you know what, on my special day, I want to draw attention to Joe Morgan. Um, right. I thought it was a cool tribute. Yeah, exactly. That and, and not everybody would do that. I mean, that's just, you know, usually a lot of these guys are, are me, me, me. It's about me. And, and I don't think that Cassianos or Winker are, are like that. And, and it shows because I know uh, Red's Twitter has, has kind of gone off because there wasn't that many or, or, or no posters of Nick Cassianos and Jesse Winker pretty much anywhere from what I've heard. You know, they didn't get the pub, you know, that, you know, that all the guys from San Diego did or San Diego, you know, they got the, the, the gold chain. I, I would, I don't know what they even call it, but the, that they had that going on. Everybody's wearing that and everybody's talking about them and, you know, nobody's talking about the Reds, but I think the second half, I think people are going to talk about the Reds. I really do. Yeah. I mean, if they get off to a hot start, I mean, three big ones against Milwaukee this weekend. And then uh, you have the New York Mets. They play them six times over the next two weeks uh, and they're in first place. So yeah, I mean, these next few weeks are, Plus the trade deadline, you're, you're going to have a lot of Reds news. And if they play well, I mean, they're going to be the talk of baseball, I think. Exactly. Now, one thing I thought was interesting, you tweeted out this earlier. Well, actually, you, you, me, you retweeted it. But it's how Nick Castellanos loves being the villain for the St. Louis Cardinals. But he kind of wants this image of him standing over the Cardinals uh, pitcher to, to go away. And if you guys go to uh, Bobby's uh, timeline, you can find the YouTube video where he's talking about it. And it's mostly – he, 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 I guess he feels bad about it, but he, he just, you know, he's like, I wasn't trying to show up anybody, you know, I was just in the moment and he just happened to be there. Yeah. I think it's partly that. And it's like, you know, he got suspended for it. And I, right. I, I know, you know, a lot of people have talked about support for him. A lot of players support, you know, what he's about. And they thought it was silly that he got suspended, but I think it's one of those, like, he doesn't want to have that brought up over and over. He doesn't want to be remembered in St. Louis as the guy who stood over Jake Woodford. I mean, he's excited he scored, obviously. He's excited about the emotion. But if you remember right after that, he walked straight to the dugout. It wasn't yes. like to keep to keep on taunting the Cardinals or keep on shouting. And and he, as he mentioned in the uh, media day interview this week, he said, like, you know, if Jake Woodford wanted to get dinner afterwards, I would have been. <laughs> right. So, Right, um, that's that's the part that always drove me nuts about that whole thing, and not that we had to go back to that, but like you said, he got up and he walked away. He's heading to the to the dugout, and Yadier Molina is the one that grabbed him. Yadier Molina is the one that shoved the umpire out of, out of the way, and nothing happened to him. I just, oh, it's still. We start talking about that, it still bugs me because I'm like, <laughs> he got suspended, and he just said bleep yeah, and walked away from him, and everybody else went freaking nuts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he it was, it was probably the most calm person in that whole situation after he scored uh, and did the shout and flex. Uh, but afterwards, I mean, I, I thought it, I thought it was okay if he got ejected and no suspension. Like I, yeah. I, well, I got ejected, but to me, yeah. Oh, yeah. more games on top of it and a fine was well. Oh, that's the same thing that happened to, to Garrett too. I mean, and and now Garrett's like he's he's afraid to do anything. You know, which I mean, I can uh, Garrett can do the stuff. There's been all kinds of crazy. Uh, uh, relief pitchers over the years. I mean, we had three of them in the '90s, the Nasty Boys. They're all nuts, you know. But there's if he could do stuff, and the last time he did it, I don't really think it was even toward the Cubs. He was just like, "I'm back," you know. He finally threw a good slider, and then, uh, um, oh man, uh, the shortstop for the Cubs. Why well, can't I? Javier Baez. Yes, thank you, Javier Baez. He's the he's the one that jumped over the wall, and yeah, you're talking and like, but. 
Garrett's the one who gets suspended. I'm like, ah, it's just. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it's one of those like the guy who instigated it didn't get any punishment. Right. Who Sterling uh, yes. did. Yes, he literally jumped over the dugout wall to walk toward Garrett. I'm like, anyway. All right, let's get into this. The, the uh, chat is blowing up here, and then we'll get some, to some more stuff here. Uh, Zach, he's got this address to me, but we both can answer answer it. Uh, and I think it's a good question for you. He said, good afternoon, Ice. Who do you think will be the most crucial on the Reds to substitute or sub- substituting their success in the second half? Love your show from Indy. I guess who's the, the most important person on the Reds? I think if you're talking about taking him to the next level, I think it's Eugenio Suarez. If he ever gets going, I mean, he's had some moments. I think he has 18 homers, so it's not like he's been – as bad as his batting average suggests, like he's off to a, he's not off to a start that he expects, but he hasn't been, I don't think, like the worst hitter in baseball. Um, but if he can finally get into a hot streak, if he can turn it around, I mean, think about what that lineup looks like. Oh, yeah. Like Castellanos, Joey Votto's had a really good last month. And oh, yeah. Torres turns it around. I mean, that, that does a huge thing for your lineup. Um, so to me, he's, he's the, the key to going to the next level. If exactly. If able to go on a huge run. Yeah, now that bring me to, to the article that you you uh you tweeted out today. Again, this is on Cincinnati.com. You guys can check it out. But it's about Nick Cassianos and says that the haven't uh the Reds haven't been at their best yet. I think Gino Suarez is going to start turning it on. India is still growing and finding his potential in the major leagues, and that's kind of reiterating what, what you're just saying about about Gino. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just such a key to that offense. I mean, he's he's a guy who's gonna play every day. Um, you saw it when he homered off Josh Hader, right? Yeah. The all-star break. I mean, he, he can win you games if he's on, it's just a matter of, um, him just figuring out his swing. I mean, it's just weird that it's gone on this long and he hasn't really had like a three week stretch where he's dominated. I mean, he, he's been a streaky hitter in the past, but, uh, not like this good streak yet. Yeah. What scares me about him. And I've, I've talked about this. I, I he's hit like this last year. So and that's where, um, more of I don't know if it's a slump or he's his bat is slower because he's missing pitches that he didn't miss in the past. I mean, he's swinging over the top of him, he's behind him, you know. So I, I love the Castellanos and how he believes in Gino. And yes, you are definitely true. If if Gino can come back and be the Gino of two years ago, this lineup is going to be unbelievable. I'm hesitant to to believe that just over. You know, it's what have you done for me lately? And it's not just the, the entire season this year, but it was the shortened season last year, too. So that's where I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to make it back all the way or not. But that home run on Hater was huge. So if he can do enough of those moments for us in the second half, then it's definitely going to be a, a big difference. Yeah. And, it, you know, you had that shoulder injury right before the 2020 season. Um, and you, you always wonder how much that contributed to things. I, I do I do kind of – last year I kind of throw it away a little bit. I mean, like you look at Nick Castellanos, he wasn't very good last year offensively. And, um, you know, right now he's one of the best hitters in baseball. So I, th- I think the 60s game schedule messed with everyone. Um, and to me the good sign is Suarez still has the power. I mean, he still has 18 homers, which is I think top five or top ten in the National League. Yes. It's just a matter of hitting for average again, which, like you said, maybe maybe he's missing pitches that he didn't miss in the past. And um, that that's the big problem that he has to fix. But – um, if he can turn it on for a two-month stretch, that that's huge for the Reds' offense. Exactly, exactly. Now we got a couple of comments here. Now, Crown Apple Kid, this guy is one of my loyal viewers. Uh, I, I love this guy because he's always commenting on my show. 
<clears throat> he wants to know about Hunter Green because he's been wanting Hunter Green up here since opening day. <laughs> and, and I have told him this, and multiple people on my show have told him this, that he's not ready yet. Now, this is a different question, though. He goes, will Hunter Green be in Cincinnati this year? I think by September he could be. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's up to how well he pitches in AAA. He's been hit around a little bit in his last few starts. He dominated AA, so he definitely deserved a promotion to AAA. Um, but I think it slowed down a little bit. And it's just one of those things. I mean, the Reds don't want a guy coming to the major leagues and he gets hit around and he loses his confidence. Exactly. That's bad news for them in the long term. So I think they're trying to get it to a situation where he feels comfortable and he's working a lot on his off-speed pitches. His fastball's there. I think his fastball would be amazing in the bullpen throwing 105. Um, but it's one of those, if you don't have anything else with that fastball to pair with it, major league hitters are still going to hit it. So it's one of those, he's got to prove himself to be one of the best 13 or 14 pitchers that they have. And I definitely think he's a huge part of the rotation next year. It's just a matter of, can he turn it up for coming up next month or in September, as you said? Right, exactly. And I like to compare it to, uh, this is the reason I always give for them not to bring you two. I got two examples. One is Homer Bailey. To my opinion, they brought Homer Bailey up too, too early. And it took him a good, I think, four years to actually turn into the pitcher or somewhat of the pitcher we all thought he was. He, he was never the lights-out all-star number one guy that we thought. I mean, he yes, granted, he had two no-hitters, but he wasn't – the longevity wasn't there. And granted, he got hurt, so that's, that's you know, a factor into it too. And the other uh, one I use is, is, uh, is Chapman. He was a starter throughout his whole, you know, career until he, the Reds needed a closer and in 2011 or – 12, whenever he, he got brought up, I don't, I don't remember what year it was, they put him in the bullpen, and he never never became the starter that the Reds in Major League Baseball thought he would be. Yeah, and I think it's one of those, if guys are healthy, um, you know, in two months, that, that probably lessens the chance that he's in Cincinnati this year. If, if T.J. Antone, Lucas Sims, and Michael Lorenzen are starring in the back of the bullpen – um, and then you're getting contributions from Heath Embry and Brad Brock and some other guys. You know, there's not that big of a pressing need. Maybe maybe they make a move at the trade deadline and get, you know, a top end, not a maybe a closer setup guy type guy. Um, and, and then, you know, that lessens the need for Hunter Green. But um, right. it, things are still the same the way they are they right now. There's still a lot of guys injured. Um, they haven't made a trade. Then I think there's a better chance that you see Hunter Green at the end of the season. Right now, talking about the bullpen, you uh, tweeted this out that uh, Art Warner, uh, is on the uh, injured list, but Sonny Gray is scheduled to start Sunday versus Milwaukee. So, again, the bullpen, we add Santion, then we lose another one. Now, you you brought up um, TJ Anton and Lucas Sims. Is there any news on them? I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard if they're they're close to rehabbing or or, or anything. I keep talking about them coming back, but I, I haven't heard anything. Yeah, they're still a little further away. I mean, you, you hope they'd be back probably in the next two weeks or so. Um, I think Lucas Sims is a little bit more uh, closer than TJ Antone. They had to shut him down a little bit. And it's one of those like Antony, he came back from the injured list and then got re-hurt within a week. And, and it's one of those, you can't have that happen in the last two months of the season. They're going to go past how many innings they threw last year. Um, so it's important for them to make sure those guys are healthy because they're going to be big contributors, not just for the next two months, but for years to come. Um, but the, the one bright spot is Michael Lorenzen. He should be back on Friday. Yes. Yeah, and, and the thing is, if, if you get – well, they are getting Michael Lorenzen back. And when you get 
uh, Sims back and TJ Anton back. And if Garrett is pitching like the old Garrett, you go from a, a very average bullpen to a very good bullpen to where you might make a trade. You might not. Depends if they're all healthy. You know, it, that could be to me. That is going to the second half. That's the key thing right there. That 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 the way that bullpen goes. If those four guys can come back and they're healthy and they're pitching lights out, we could win this whole thing. You know, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking just the division. We could win the freaking World Series because when you go into the playoffs, you need a shutdown bullpen. And last year, we had the shutdown bullpen. We had the starting pitching. We didn't have the offense. This year, we got the offense, and the starting pitching isn't as good as last year, but it's it's pretty good. I mean, Wade Miley has been a godsend to this team. I mean, first two months of the year, where would this team be at without Wade Miley and, and, and Tyler Malley? Those two, I think, should be you know considered for MVPs of, of the team. Yeah, I mean, Wade Miley, I mean – it's one of those things where I think fans soured on him just because he, he was hurt last year. That was me. <laughs> I yeah, was doing I mean, it. Yeah. He, he didn't pitch well his first outing. But it's one of those – I mean, he had the track record. You know, Milwaukee with Derek Johnson, he was really, really good. With Houston Astros, I mean, he was right there with Verlander and Garrett Cole for uh, five of the first six months of the season. Then he struggled in September. So it's one of those he, – he's always had that talent in there. It's just a matter of if it's – whether he's healthy and – uh, you know, he finally got healthy this year, and you see what he's doing for the Reds. Tyler Malley, they always felt confident that he was going to emerge as kind of the next um, – kind of on like that Trevor Bauer path. Trevor Bauer was a three-starter going into the 2020 season, ended up as Cy Young. Right. Uh, like Tyler Malley, just give him some time. He'll, he'll be a guy that will jump up to one of their top starters. Um, obviously, if Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo kind of perform to where everyone expects them to, I mean, that's a, that's a solid rotation. I still think it's a worse team than last year. I mean, if last year's team yeah. – that would have been a pretty dangerous team. Um, but this team, the division's a little bit weaker. Um, and, and this team, I mean, if they keep having momentum, if they keep beating the Brewers, um, you know, anything's at play right now. Yeah, I mean, leading into the series, I mean, best-case scenario, they sweep them. We're one game out of first place. That's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they're looking at it that way, too, is, you know, they they were really excited. They got three out of four, and it's almost like, all right, now time to finish the job after the yeah. Well, I think, I think, not that, you know, you always want more as a fan, but it should have been a sweep. If our bullpen was any good, you know, first game, we should have swept them. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm happy where they're at. They're having a, a great, uh, had a great first half. We need to roll into a great second half here. Let's get some more questions in the chat here. Uh, let's see here. Now, that people ask me about this with uh, Gino getting hit. When Gino got hit by the pitch, it was the very first pitch thrown at him after hitting a home run. People on the chat here said, do you think there's going to be any retaliation for that? I kind of hope not because, like we've said, we've already had guys suspended. It's a pennant race. We really can't lose anybody to suspension, so I'd rather just beat them on the field. What's your thoughts on on the Reds and, and the Boozers going into this rivalry and, and the intensity of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think both teams know what's at stake. I mean, if the Brewers say they sweep in Cincinnati, they're in a great spot to win the division. And they'll be at least six games up on everybody or seven games up on the rest of the division uh, with two months to go. They'll be in a great spot if the Reds, like you said, sweep the Brewers. They're within one game. So both teams realize what's at stake. And I, I don't think that Josh Hader throwing at Suarez was on purpose. Um, I, I know it was kind of like the situation, like, oh, he homered off him the night before. Um, but I, I don't think that was – you know, the, the game was too important for the Brewers to kind of right there. And they, they still had six games left against the Reds the rest of the season. I mean, you could wait till late August at the last time they play the Reds if you want payback at some point. I mean, Josh Hader's going to pitch face A.U. Suarez a lot more times. 
So I, I don't even even though it looked bad, it was that first pitch after he gave up a home run. To him. Right, I think it was on purpose. I just exactly. think he just tried to go inside on him. Yeah, exactly. But again, that was that was if the Reds make the playoff. Well, actually, I'm speaking into existence. When the Reds make the playoffs this year, that home run by Gino it could be one of the biggest ones of the year. I mean, that was an absolute shot. Now, uh, Tim Beal here, and you did an article about the uh, draft here. So he wants to know, how excited are you about the Reds draft? I thought they had a great draft with a few possible steals. Abbott Torres, your thoughts? And I'll pop up the uh, thing you tweeted out here about it. Yeah, they had three of the top 35 picks. So, I mean, that... They, I think they made the most of it. Their first-round picks, UCLA shortstop Matt McClain, um, was viewed as like a top-ten pick. It was just one of those where he slid a little bit, um, and the Reds didn't even think he'd be there, be available for him at 17, and he ended up being there at, 19, at pick number 17, and they got him. So, I mean, that's a great college shortstop to add to the organization, kind of gives you a backup plan of, um, you know, Jose Barrero used to be Jose Garcia. He's yes. viewed as a shortstop as the future, but um, kind of gives you another another guy right there to push for you know, like Jonathan India, Nick Senzel, those guys are college infielders that played at a high level, kind of like Matt McClain. And I think there's some comparisons there about how they all play tough and uh, play with an edge. So that's a good thing to add to the organization. And um, as the person who asked the question, Abbott and Torres, both ACC players. Um, I, I talked to Danny Graves recently, and he, he loves both of those players. He thinks Abbott is unbelievable, throws low 90s, but nobody can hit his fastball. Um, so that, that's something to be excited about, adding a really good pitcher to the organization with how mm-hmm. pitching development they've had. And uh, Torres is viewed as the best shortstop, defensive shortstop in the draft. So uh, another good shortstop, that uh, backup option in case Jose Barrero, um, you know, something happens there. Right, exactly. And, and uh, Jose Barrero actually um, homered in the uh, Futures game. So that was a good sign. I, I, I Me personally – I think there's a shot if he proves he can hit in AAA that he might get brought up again at the end of the year like he did last year. But if he if that happens, well, let's just let's just go with what we have right now. With whenever Moose comes back, hopefully he'll come back soon. Do you think they're going to move Gino back to shortstop, or how are they going to do this? Because Farmers played a very good defensive shortstop. Gino hasn't. You know, he's, he's played a much better third base. And if Gino is still struggling by that time, do you see them? Uh, I don't know, benching him for a couple of days, or, or how do you how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably one of those you know, we'll figure it out when it happens type deals. I mean, if Eugenio Suarez is still struggling to hit, um, I don't I don't think there's any guarantee that he's still in the lineup every day when Mustakas gets back. Um, but say he is on a hot streak and you have to play him, then maybe he goes to shortstop and you lose the defense with Farmer there. Um, but I think it's at least probably a month away before you're looking at Mustakas coming back. It's just one of those – he was really close to coming back in June, then he re-aggravated his heel injury on a rehab assignment. And uh, last time I saw him was in Kansas City, uh, and he had a boot on. He was still walking around in a boot. Um, and so you still have to build up from there where you're running again and then start another rehab assignment. So it'll, it'll take some time for him to get back to the point where he's ready to play in major league games. Um, so the red, that buys some of the Reds some time. I mean – if Kyle Farmer starts hitting and he continues to play the defense the way he has, I, you know, it's hard to move him out because him playing good defense has is, is been kind of an underrated that's yes. part of their three wins in Milwaukee. Oh uh, yeah, they, I mean, it wasn't just him. I mean, they they were slapping some some leather around there. I mean, that was, I mean, <laughs> the the one that got me so excited was was the the throw for, uh, Winker to um, uh, Freeman that gunned out. Um, I can't remember who was the runner for the. 
Brewers. Remember who, who they threw out? I can't. I yeah, can't. I can't. I can't remember anyway. Throw by Freeman too. I mean, just foul territory and making that line throw down the line. Right. That that was the thing about that series is everything worked for the Reds. The defense was there. The offense is there. Starting pitching was there. The bullpen was there, and that shows you how good this team can be. And it's also kind of frustrates me is why don't they do that all the time? (laughs) Which I mean, you know, I mean, of course they're not going to do it all the time, but there's been lots of games where. They just gave games away this year. And it, like, and it mostly is the bullpen. But and I'm hoping that doesn't come back to haunt us. But I've said this on my show. You you can't you don't get to decide when you win sometimes. Sometimes it just happens. Like last year, they decided they wanted to win. Well, they struggled the entire time. This year, the front office, in my opinion, gave up, <laughs> didn't want to do anything or spend any money. Which, you know, they didn't even have to spend that much money. But anyway. But it's turned out that they're a very competitive, very good ball club this year. And that brings you to the the trade deadline. With what the the front office did not do in this offseason, do you think they will be all in? Has Nick Cross said anything about the trade deadline or possibilities? Or are they all in on this team? Are they kind of in? Or what's the gauge on that? He said they're absolutely looking to be buyers. I mean – that's probably as close as you can get without guaranteeing. You can't guarantee you're going to make a trade. Right. Um, so I get that there's, you know, some people have kind of picked that apart and saying like, why doesn't he just say full out, you know, right. full on buyers, but it takes two to tango. Uh, but the question is, is where, I mean, shortstop, I think Trevor story is by far the, the biggest impact bat. Um, and there's not many other shortstops out there, but the problem is, is he's one of the higher paid shortstops out there. It's if they didn't have money to spend in the offseason on a shortstop, why do they have one now? Uh, or how, how do they get the money now? So that, that's the question is how much money they do have to spend at the deadline. Um, the bullpen's obviously an area where they can add um, and maybe a bench bat. I mean, if you're not confident, it, like you're scared Moustakis is going to take a while, you're scared Senzel might take a few more weeks, um, then maybe you look at adding an extra infielder too. Um, just in case there's another injury or to back up India or something like that. So I, I think there's a lot of areas where they can add. It's just a matter of how much money do they have after apparently they didn't have much this offseason. Yeah, now that that pretty much sounds like the trade they made last year or the two trades they made last year. They picked up a, a reliever and they let him go in the offseason. All they had to do is pick up his option anyway. <laughs> and they picked up an extra outfielder. So, I mean, that's kind of probably what they're going to do this year. I would be surprised, like you said, if they traded for a shortstop. Um, because, like you said, they couldn't afford one in the offseason. Why do they do it now? So, we'll, we'll see what happens. No, I, so, I have a question. The Reds, I think right now, they are um, four games out of first place. And I think four and a half out of the wild card. Is that is that right? Three and a half. Three and a half out of the wild, wild card. And people ask me on my show here, that what my opinion was if I think they had a better shot of winning the wild card or the division. And I said the division because you got the Padres and you got the Dodgers and the Giants are, you know, I think the wild card is going to come out of the West, but I think the all-star break, we're all three and a half games out. What, what is your, what is your thoughts on the best case scenario for the Reds to get in the playoffs? Do you think it's better? They have a better shot at the division or the wild card? Yeah, I definitely think it's the division because it's almost turning into like a two team race with the Reds and the Brewers. Like the Cubs are, they have that 11 game losing streak. They're probably going to be sellers at the deadline. So you're going to see some big names moved out of there, uh, most likely. The Cardinals, I, I don't know if they'll be sellers, but they're just a team that hasn't got out of a rut since the Reds swept them last month. It just seems like they've been stuck where they've been in the standings. 
uh, still below 500. And, and it's like you mentioned with the NL West, I mean, th- those three teams, those are all playoff teams, the Dodgers, right. Padres, and the Giants. Um, if, the, if the Reds and the Brewers, consider what they've both done. I mean, the Reds won nine of their last 11 games to get to this point. Um, and then the Brewers had that 10-game winning streak. So it's like if they have, they have to stay hot this entire next two months to kind of stay at this pace where the NL West has been at all season. So I think the NL West, they have a better chance at playing at that high level. You know, the, the Reds, the Brewers, are probably going to have their highs and lows over the next two months. Um, but it's turned into almost to a two-team race, so that gives them both a better chance at winning the division than winning the wild card. Right, exactly. And, and to me, this is, I've said this too on my show, the, the reason <clears> – I think the reason that the Reds have been – such, I mean, they. I don't, I don't want to say a streaky team, but they, they, they have, they've won on what you know, seven game streak, a six game streak, and you know, but the, the losing streaks haven't been that long, except for the seven game one they had, you know, out in L.A. Um, my my personal opinion is the reason that they're they're having this. I don't want to say inconsistent because they've had a very consistent, you know, uh, uh, season, but just where they don't win as many games as we think they should is I think a lot of that has to do with, with, with the bullpen. If, if you think, do you think if they had a better bullpen that that would help them be get more, uh, more consistency here and not be so streaky all the time? I think that's definitely a part of it. I mean, I think their bullpen ERA is like 27th best in baseball, which um, obviously is not good. I think I always think back to that series against the diamondbacks is at home in April. I believe they, they got yeah. swept at home by the diamondbacks, the worst mm-hmm. in the national league. And it was, the bullpen gave up, I think, 15 or 16 runs. Games. I mean, it was one of those they, – they should have won all three. They ended up losing all three. Yep. Um, so it's one of those – the bullpen's pitched better over the last month, definitely. Um, I think it's the fifth best ERA since the middle of June. Uh, but it's one of those where you kind of have to be at that level full-time if you're going to – you know, where, where you need to be to be a playoff team. You, you can't afford to lose games when you have leads. Kind of like the Kansas City Royals, um, that game they lost, uh, I think – run lead in the eighth, a three-run lead in the ninth, and I ended up losing that game on a walk-off Salvador Perez. Yes. It's one of those. And also defense. I mean, I, you know, they're, they're not going to be a great defensive team. I, I don't think there's a way to improve that, just the way they're built right now. Uh, but that's something they're going to have to live with is, you know, there might be games where they're going to lose because of their defense. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, I mean, and that's the that's the thing, too, is is where I go back to, I don't know if I want Gino at, at shortstop because they are they're not a great defensive team. But there are there there to me with with farmer at shortstop, they get better. You know, I don't know. India to me, India, I, I think he's got a shot, a very good shot at being rookie of the year. I mean, he for not playing second base that much, he's looked like he's been there his entire life. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I there's Trevor Rogers in Miami. He's probably the rookie of the year front runner. He's like a two ERA and 17 starts. I mean, he's been unbelievable. So he's probably – that's the guy who he has to catch. But I, I would have been shocked if you would have told me before the season India's doing what he's doing. I mean, he's top 10 in Major League Baseball and on-base percentage. Um, what he's doing at the top of the lineup, what, how well he's playing at second base. He's been unbelievable. I mean, what he's been able to do as an everyday second baseman, um, playing close to an all-star level. I mean, I, and he wasn't really considered for the all-star team, but um, he's, he's near that level over the past month. and. Um, if he keeps gaining confidence, I mean, look out. I mean, he's, he's, he's got a really bright future. Exactly. And I, I, I got to give David Bell credit for this. I think moving him to, to the leadoff spot was, was huge. I mean, his, I, I got some stats here, just the first half stats of the, the Reds, but bases on ball, Jonathan India is, is leading him. He's leading him in steals, which is only seven, 
but he's also got a very high on base percentage, and that's a key thing to 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 have for uh, for a leadoff hitter. Is you got to get on base, and he's directly in front of Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker. So I mean, I really think once David Bell moved India to the leadoff spot, that really helped the offense even more because ninety percent of the time, well, I'll say ninety eighty five percent of the time. Somebody's on base in front of Winker and Castellanos now instead of those two leading off. Yeah, and I think that's been the big reason why the Reds have such a dangerous offense right now is, you know, you have a guy on with Winker or Castellanos. I mean, that's they're hard enough to pitch as it is even without a runner on base, um, but it allows them to do damage. And those guys have been really good with runners in scoring position, um, really good late in games. Um, so, yeah, I think just having a guy – and the Reds haven't had that in recent years – guy who can hit leadoff and get on base at around 40% of the time. Um, you know, you, you almost needed to someone like everyone, everyone kind of hoping like Nick Senzel could have fit that role. Right. Kobo did at the end of last season when he had his best, best months in the major league. They've always been looking for that. They always had the power hitters behind them. Um, but finally having a consistent leadoff hitter has been a huge difference. I mean, I don't remember. I can't remember. I mean, I, I go back, I'm 46 years old. So I go back a little ways. I mean, I remember, I think our two most consistent leadoff hitters that I can remember that did it for a, a, a somewhat long period of time is Chris Sabo and then Bip Roberts. We had him for a year. I mean, Barry Larkin was probably our best leadoff hitter, but he's all, when he played, but he's also our best third hitter and fourth hitter as well, too. I don't remember a, a guy in the recent future or past being able to do what India's doing. And the, big, and the biggest thing is getting on pace. And that's the, that's the, you, yeah, he steals, but doesn't steal that much. I mean, nobody steals in baseball anymore, which is another whole story we can get into. Um, but the biggest thing right now for a leadoff hitter is to get on base. And not only is he getting on base, he's also getting big knocks. I mean, that home run he hit in San Diego, which, again, the bullpen blew the lead, but still it was him and, and, and Stevenson, the two rookies, leading the way in that game. He just got big hit after big hit, and, and he just – plays like he's been here his his whole life you know it's he doesn't play like a rookie at all yeah and what's funny is like spring training 2020 so more than a year ago um you know, he, he really wasn't on the radar at all I mean you saw him in spring training and you're like oh, he, he's got a ways to go he's not that close uh, and then you heard at the alternate site there's no reporters in no fans or anything you always heard people say India India's really making strides it looks really good but you never knew how good because you didn't see it see it right far away in spring training and then this year it's been unbelievable just what he's been able to do so i wonder if if the the not playing every day and just being able to concentrate on work on stuff every day i wonder if that obviously it helped india but you know that's just a kind of a different a different way to improve because most time to get better at any sport is to play that sport you know every single day and learn especially baseball to learn the grind learn the pitchers learn how to Get yourself out of slumps, and that's that's another big thing. I, I want to bring this up too that India did that I think is a, a key to his season this year. Is he changed his his starting mechanism for his his batting? He went from a big high leg kick to a, a toe tap, and that's not easy for major leaguers that have you know been in the league a while to do, let alone a rookie doing it. And he did it flawlessly. Yeah, and it's just one of those like Tyler Stevenson and Tyler Naquin do the same thing with their toe tap. Um, and they encouraged him. They helped him along. They're all in the same batting practice group. Um, but it's one of those, you know, he, he had a hot week, and then the pitchers adjusted to him, and then he had to find a way to adjust back. 
And right now, that's the way it is. I mean, I'm sure pitchers will find another way to attack them. You know, I don't expect him to be on base 45% of the time for the rest of the season. Um, so I think there'll be some lulls, but it's one of those. He definitely looks like he's more comfortable. He's a lot more confident. He's hitting the ball a lot harder. Um, so he just looks like a guy that when he's playing with confidence, I mean, he's a dangerous player. Exactly. And just, just looking at you right now, you look like you're about to get a half a tan there <laughs> with the sunlight coming in. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, as we get to uh, uh, Nick Castellanos and his hitting hitting zone, which his hitting zone is ridiculous. I mean, he's got basically one cold zone, and that is right, you know, at the top inside. That that's it. Everything else is hot or or you know lukewarm. <laughs> basically, I mean, this is ridiculous. I, I don't know. How do you get this guy out? Which I mean, I don't want him to, but I mean, how did how do you think Nicasianos went from a an okay player? I mean, I never heard of Nicasianos in Detroit. I heard of him when he got traded to the Cubs and he got hot for them. And I'll be honest, when the Reds signed him, I was like, eh, that's, I guess that's cool, dude. I love Nicasianos. I mean, I got his jersey. I'm tweeting about him all the time. I love Nicasianos. He is my favorite player on this team right now, and it's gonna kill me if they don't keep him but how do you think he's gotten to this point from from uh uh i know yeah i guess an average major baseball player to a guy who's considered to be in the nl mvp race now well i i, I think he was always above average i mean he's always been a hitter i mean i i used to work into yeah, average is the average is a bad bad term yeah you're right you're a little above yeah, the great now when he came up it was just he never had a defensive position he struggled at third base he went to the outfield um, and struggled there initially. So it's one of those um, – he's always been a hitter, but he's never had a position. Um, and I also think just him being older, uh, being on teams that are winning, it was one of those like he got traded to the Cubs and he was on fire. He's the Cubs mm-hmm. when he was there for the final two months of the 2019 season. Um, and now you see it with the Reds. I mean, when the Reds have a good team, when they're winning, he's, he's into it. Um, and I think the biggest thing, the biggest change for him is he used to be known for a guy that chased sliders a lot or chased off-speed pitches off the plate. Um, so it'd be one of those kind of like Javier Baez, almost like just make it look like a strike and he'll swing at it, even right. if it goes away, away from the plate. And he's cut down on that a lot. And so he's drawing a lot more walks. And it's one of those, if, if he's not going to chase pitches, then you have to throw him pitches in the strike zone. And that's where you see your heat map is there's not really a good place in the strike zone to throw it. Yeah. I mean, if you, if this is, this is your heat map. I mean, dude, you're, they're not getting you out. <laughs> I mean, that, that is, you can't get much better than that. That's that's just that's just ridiculous. And it's awesome is is this is what I, I wish more major leaguers would do. I mean, look, look at a spray chart. You know, he sprays the ball all, all over the place, so you really can't shift on him. And I don't understand why more major leaguers don't try and do that. You know, I just I don't like and, and they're t- talking about the rules of getting rid of the shift and all that stuff. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I kind of want them to, but then I'm also kind of like, why can't you guys just hit the ball the other way? You're major league. I, I can't do it, but I'm not a major league baseball player. They should be able to do it. Or, like, I, I can't remember, it was a couple weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, Tucker Barnhart laid a butt down right down third baseline. It was easy. They The third baseman was all the way over shortstop. It's a hit. If they keep doing that, they're going to stop shifting on you. I just It just drives, boggles my mind as to why they continue to try to hit into the shift or not to hit the other way. I just, I don't get it. And I can't. I've never heard a good explanation for it other than they don't want to. 
Well, I, th- I think that it, one, it's the pitching's a lot better than it used to be. I mean, the velocity is so much harder. Guys throw off these crazy breaking balls. Um, and two, I mean, power pays. If you hit a bunch of homers, you're going to get paid arbitration in the offseason, free agency. I mean, people will pay for homers. So it's one of those, I, th- I think, guys, you know, you have to find your power swing. If you don't hit for power, you're not going to last very long in the major leagues, unfortunately. Um, there's just not guys that hit 350 anymore. So right. you have to show some power. Um, and I, I think guys fell in love with that a little too much. I think it was taught that way. Um, and so that's when you get into like heavy pool guys, but also, I mean, shifting's changed a lot in like the last five years. I mean, the, the guys in shallow right field that didn't exist five years ago for 99% of left-handed hitters. Yeah. Uh, Manny Machado plays middle, middle right field half the time now. And he almost cut a ball in like the warning track in right field I mean, that, that, for, for how many years would that have been an easy double? Right. And now you have to worry about him catching the ball out there. Yeah, it's it's uh, that 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 dude's ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I man Machado and 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 Fernando Tatis, their athletic ability is just they're just freaks to be honest. The stuff that that they could do. So uh, you tweeted this uh, um, this out to the uh, starting rotation uh, for the uh, uh, Sears versus the Boozers, which I always call them the Boozers. I got nicknames for everybody, but I got Tyler uh, Malley, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray. Now, are you kind of surprised? That Wade Miley is not getting a start, you know, that they're going with Tyler Miley instead of instead of Wade Miley at first, because Tyler Miley last time he was out, he he didn't pitch all that great. He his well, we all know this. His biggest problem is 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 his pitch count. You know, he he can't get guys out without less than you know twenty seven pitches. It seems like, but is that kind of surprising that Wade Miley isn't in there and it's Tyler Miley instead? I guess a little slightly, but it's one of those two where you don't know where guys are at in the season. I mean, it, you know, Sonny Gray had that ribcage strain, which put him on the IL. He's not going to miss a start because of it, but um, was on the IL during the All-Star break and comes back Sunday. But, um, you know, I, Wade Miley, I, I know there's a lot of injury concern over the past couple of years, um, and you, you don't want to overtax him. I know he's been pitching so well, but it's one of those, hey, you still have two months left. You can't you can't just focus on one series as important as it is right. facing the first place team. Um, you want to make sure he's okay. So if he needs an extra four days after the all-star break, um, to me, it just makes a lot of sense if, if that's the case, um, you know, to give him an extra few days. Yeah. The thing we all, all have to consider too, is I, I, I forget this and you don't think this would affect major pitchers, but it does. They only pitched, they only pitched a 60 game season last year. So their arms aren't used. They got to get used to pitching, you know, uh, you know, hundred innings. Well, I don't think they go hundred innings, but you know, what, what we thought 16, 17 starts, you know, compared to what ten last year, something like that. My math might be off on that, but you know, it's a pretty big difference from sixty games to one hundred and sixty-two. So that's another reason they gotta kind of watch what's going on with with the pitchers and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think you're seeing it with all the injuries. I mean, look at all the Reds injuries. You know, Michael Lorenzen was hurt in spring training. Sonny Gray's been on the injury list a few times. Art Warren just went on. T.J. Antone, Lucas Sims have all been hurt. I mean, it, I mean that's across baseball too. I mean, a lot of guys. Pitchers have been dealing with injuries, so I, I think using more caution than than um, is a smart thing to do, especially now. I mean, September maybe you have to change your mindset a little bit, um, but as of, as of now, I mean, if you can give a guy an extra day, I think now's the time to do it. Yeah, exactly. Now with the second half starting here, and I've kind of already said it here a couple of times for for my own opinion, what I think is the the key to the Reds uh, having a successful second half. What is your key to the Reds? Is it a key player? Is it a key position? What has to go right for the Reds to to win this division? 
Uh, I think the bullpen has to shore up. I mean, if it keeps pitching the way it has, I, th- I think that's huge. Um, may- maybe they, that includes a trade in there. Um, but like you said, like Amir Garrett has been pitching a lot better. If TJ Antone, Michael Lorenzo, and Lucas Sims, all those guys join him and are pitching at their peaks. I mean, that looks like a really good bullpen. So it's one of those, if that gets short up, you're in good shape. And also the starting rotation has to stay where it is. Uh, you know, Luis Castillo struggled for months of the season. I know he's been really good the last two months since the start of June. Um, but he needs to keep it there. And also, you know, Sonny Gray needs to stay healthy. And my, Tyler Malley and Wade Miley, they can afford drop-offs from either. Um, Vladimir Gutierrez has been fine and um, as the number five starter. So that's got to stay there. But they don't really have much starter depth behind those guys. So those guys need to stay healthy, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how 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 big has uh, Vladimir Gutierrez been for the Reds this year? I mean, he he's he's another guy that has come up and he looks like he belongs here. It, the moment does not look too big for him. Now he's only a five inning pitcher. I don't know if he'll ever be able to stretch it out past that. I mean, I think maybe after a couple of years, maybe not this year. But I, I where would the Reds be without him again? I mean, and and Tony Santiago, another one who's coming up, came up and and gave the Reds a couple of good starts. So. I, that's that th- those, those guys showing up and, and, and stepping up for us as, as rookies was huge. I mean, do you think Gutierrez is going to stay in the rotation? I, I think he is with, with Hoffman coming back or you think Hoffman's going to be in the bullpen or how are they going to uh, work that out? You think? Yeah, I, I think it'll end up being Hoffman in the bullpen, Gutierrez in the rotation. I mean, it's one of those, I think if it was the other way around. If they were leaning Hoffman, I think it would already happen by now. He's made enough rehab starts where, um, I, I feel like he's ready enough to jump in if, if that was the case. I, I think now it's just one of those, in case there's an injury to a starting pitcher, you want Hoffman still built up as a starter before you put him in the bullpen. Because once you go to the bullpen, it's pretty hard to build back up to a starter midseason. So it's one of those you don't want to lose him. Um, so keep that depth while you can. But I, I think Gutierrez has done everything he could to, to keep that starting spot. So you think they're going to keep Hoffman in the minors for a little while? Or, or how do you think they're going to play that? No, he's, he's, he's going to make a start in Dayton for the Dayton Dragons on Friday. One of those, they're at home and Louisville's on the road, so it makes more sense for him to pitch in Dayton, um, even, even though the competition level. Um, but I think after that, he's, he's got to go into the bullpen. Just His rehab assignments will be up. He's out of minor league options, so he can't be sent to the minor leagues without going on waivers. Right. Um, so it's one of those, he has to be on the major league roster somewhere. So I, I think the bullpen's uh, probably next week would be my guess. Now, one thing that kind of surprised me, I was – uh, very happy that they brought uh, Tony uh, Santion back up for the uh, Boozer series, but I was kind of surprised that he never got in any of the games. It was that kind of shocking that Dave Bell kept going to the same guys, which I kind of understand, like because he got the All Star break and you know th- they can rest then. But you brought this kid up there for a reason, and he has pitched good for you. You know, was that kind of surprising that that Santion didn't get in in any of the games? No, just be, just because kind of the fact you mentioned. I mean, he, Bell has his guys he trusts. Um, as a reliever just yet. I mean, he's only, he's done it once in triple a, but otherwise he's been a starter his whole life. I mean, it's changing your whole routine. Um, you know, you can't warm up before games like you always used to. So I, I think there's a lot of things that change when you do get moved to the move to the bullpen. I, I think he'll be fine in that role long-term. It's just a matter of he's got to get comfortable there first. And, um, you know, if one of those games was a little bit more out of hand, you know, the Reds had a five run lead Brewers had a five run lead. You probably would have saw him. But every game was so close. Yeah, that was the hesitancy part. Yeah, that 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 was what was so fun about that series. Every single game was was 
basically a one one run game, and those are fun. I kept tweeting that out like I want the Reds to win, but damn, this is fun to watch this. And and to me, that's that's baseball. I have missed that with the Reds, you know, for the last couple of years, you know, because last year it was just so frustrating with this team last year because we had the pitching and we just could not hit. And this year we got, we don't have as good a pitching, but our offense is unbelievable. Our offense this year, this is the way I thought our offense was supposed to be last year, but just watching the Reds be in the race at the all-star break for the first time since what, 2013, something like that. I mean, this has been fun. This has been an absolute blast. And and I'm hoping that Reds fans show up this weekend and sell this place out because this doesn't – I keep trying to emphasize this. This doesn't happen very often. You know, we don't get these seasons. I wish they'd happen more often. So when they do happen, I want people to, to savor them, you know, and say, look, this is why we love baseball. Now, my question is, going into this offseason – with my favorite player, Nick Cassianos, having his option. Can the Reds buy this option out, or how do they have to restructure contract? What do the Reds do to have to keep Nick Cassianos, in your opinion? Well, I mean, it's up to him. It's his, it's his opt-out clause and his contract. I mean, if I was him if, and his agent, Scott Boris, if I was Scott Boris, I would tell him to opt out. I mean, he's going to make more money as a free agent. There's nothing precluding the Reds from re-signing him um, to another contract nothing precluding them from trying to give them, you know, adding on extra money to the deal and, um, you know, working with the current terms. There's nothing saying that there's a reason he has to leave Cincinnati. I think he's outplayed his current contract, Um, you know, making 16 million a year. I think he's been better than that. He's been one of the best players in the league. So if you can say the Reds need to pay 20 million, I think you could do that. Somebody somebody at your door? (laughs) Sounds like it. (laughs) Hey, like, Hey, I'm on a YouTube show. I can't can't come to the door right now. But yeah, that that kind of brings me to okay. Last offseason, the Reds didn't want to spend any money. We have one of the best hitters in baseball, and, and to me, I'm looking at Nick Castellanos a lot the way Greg Vaughn meant to the Reds to that '99 Reds team. They took on his personality. They, they and they're doing that with with Nick Castellanos a lot this year too. I think losing Nick, if they lose Nick Castellanos, it's going to be really hard. It's not only his bat but his presence and what he means for this team. So, and I know they want to try to save money and all that stuff. So do you think there's any chance to save money that they might be trying to, to dangle out there or Suarez and, and Moose and go with uh, Alejo Lopez, a third and uh, 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 that Garcia Bar- Barto at shortstop next year, just to save some money to maybe put toward the Castellanos or, or where do you think they're going to be creative? Are they going to be creative enough to try to, to, to sign him? No, I mean, I don't think they'll give them away for free. I don't, I don't think you trade from your current roster to make it worse. Um, don't worry about something next year. I mean, you got, you're trying to win this year. I mean, that's the, the number one thing. Um, but I, I think if you're looking at revenues, I mean, I think some things have changed. I mean, Great American Ballpark reached 100% capacity in June. I, I don't think before the season many people thought that would happen. I mean, I think I was looking at it as hoping, you know, by September maybe they'd have full stands again. And I think every Kind of happened a lot faster and everyone thought it would. Vaccines rolled out a lot quicker than um, and were more accessible than people thought it would. So, you know, that's more revenue. And if you have more revenue, you have a better chance of, you know, and, and also, you know, things that look different now. 
Um, you know, this think last time this last winter, you weren't sure, okay, maybe COVID's going to be around for another couple of years. Um, and now, now you know, the world kind of, at least in the United States, seems more back to normal. So right. you would think there's some more certainty there in terms of projecting money for how much you're going to make in the future too. Exactly. And, and I just hope that uh, Nick Cassiano's likes winning so much that he wants to stay here. <laughs> I'll just tell you right now, that's my biggest concern in this offseason is, is losing him. That, that would just – that would suck. But uh, it's almost 6.30. You've given me almost an hour. I appreciate you, Bobby. Tell everybody where they can follow you, the articles you got going on, and just what's what's going on with you. Yeah, check out Cincinnati.com. I mean, biggest series of the season coming up this weekend, Reds Brewer. So uh, Charlie Goldsmith and I will we'll have all the coverage right there on Cincinnati.com. There you go. Yeah, Charlie Goldsmith. He Another friend of the show. He, I think he's going to be on sometime next week. So make sure you tell him he has to come on Strawberry Show, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bobby, as always, I appreciate you, man, and thank you for your time. And this is going to be a lot of fun this weekend. I can't wait for it to start. Yeah, just glad it's good baseball in July. That's what that's what it's about. Exactly, man. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Yep, thanks. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I got a, Bobby Nightingale is a really good uh, writer, very good on covering the Reds. And that aspect, he's got a lot of good information, so check him out on Cincinnati.com, and you can always follow him on Twitter. So we'll uh, – let me get to the chat here. Yes, Crown, I saw that. And chat, Crown, you were late to the show, man. Yes, I said that right at the beginning of the show. The Reds got a seven-footer from Hamilton. I saw that. So we'll see how that happens. And, yes, you're right. Yankees and Red Sox are canceled tonight because of COVID. Jared – there you go. Jared – Wait, where are you at? Where are you at there? Jared, we need bullpen help. I agree. And one thing I say, Jared, Lorenz is coming back. Bobby Nightingale just said that Anton and Sims hopefully will be back within a month. We get those guys back. And uh, right now, just look at this way. If you got Michael Lorenzen, and if Garrett is the old Garrett, and you got those two coming out of the bullpen, that changes everything. For your bullpen. <laughs> I mean, those two are game changers. If Garrett is pitching like Garrett can pitch and Lorenzen is pitching like he can pitch, they are game changers for that bullpen. So I'm hoping Michael Lorenzen is healthy. I'm hoping Garrett is back to his old self and we can take off. Like, dude, I'm telling you, if we get a bullpen, a shutdown bullpen, we have the talent to win this thing. We do. I'm not saying we're going to. But we can be in this thing. But we got to get the bullpen. They got They all got to stay healthy. It's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait till tomorrow night to watch the Boozers. And if they sweep the Boozers, I will shotgun a beer. And I'm sure Arrow will do it. I know Rabbit said he might do it. So maybe if you guys are shotgunning beers, we'll do some videos. And I'll try to put them up on the show. And it'll be a lot of fun. Jared, what do you got here? Here's my thought process, though. I'm okay with trading prospects if we are in the win-now mode. Me too, to a certain extent. <laughs> I'm not willing to trade Hunter Green or Lodolo. Anybody else? Probably. But those guys. I just And that's going to be the first two guys that they're going to ask for, and the Reds are going to say no. There's no way that they're trading Lodolo or Hunter Green because there's a very, very good chance that those guys could be in our rotation next year. If not, for sure, the year after that. But they are at least a year, you know, 
well, half a year away from, from possibly being in the rotation. But I'm with you. When you have a chance to win, you go for it because you never know when it's going to happen. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And right now it's happening. So let me get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And I appreciate every single one of them. And I invite you guys to go there and check out these groups if you're not joined. Uh, you got Who Day Nation, Bengals Nation, Bengals Who Day Nation, Cincinnati Bengals the Jungle, Cincinnati Reds riding third, heading for home, Bearcat Country, which um, I don't know if I posted that in Bearcat Country yet about the seven footer that they signed that happened right before uh, my show started, but I will be posting that in there. It's on Sports Strawberry Ice out on Twitter and Facebook. You can check that out. Uh, Ohio State Bucknuts. You got the Ice Bar, which is a show page. It's just a virtual bar. We go there, we hang out, drink some beers, talk crap, have some fun. So make sure you check out the Ice Bar. And then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Twitter. The Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. That's T-R-E-N-N-E-P-O-H-L. I'm on TikTok. I do silly TikToks. A lot of it's talking trash about the boozers, about the Tweety Birds, about the clowns, about the rat birds, about the squealers. So if you want to hear, see some uplifting, fun Cincinnati sports TikToks, follow me at Iceman90. Sports Strawberry Ice on TikTok. I'll be pulling off the sound later on tonight, putting it up on the podcast. So if you can't sit here and watch me for an hour, you can listen to me. And I would appreciate you guys downloading it, sharing it, listening to it. Give me a five-star review. That is awesome. Please do that. I'm on BeanPod, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. YouTubers, my original people, I'm at 1,242 subscribers. That is awesome. Let's keep it rolling. I want to get to 10,000. I want to get to 100,000. Let's make strawberry ice run wide, 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 wide. I know. I'm silly. And as always, as my man, Jeremy D's Nuts, Dimebag Dean, who actually is the co-host, will be on the show sometime again, would say, ready, all together now, remember one thing. And one thing only, and that is you don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati, so act like it. Who day? We're going to beat the boozers. Let's sweep them. And that's just sports, baby. See ya!